This is John Rosalton, lead pastor of Evolve Church, and this is the Evolve Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that this week's message is encouraging and full of hope for wherever you're at. All right, so we are on part four of a series called Labels. And if you've missed weeks one, two, and three, that is okay. You won't feel left out, I promise. I'm going to do a quick recap of the first three messages. And if you're ever curious to go back and re-listen to something, uh, we do have an audio podcast now available right through our website, evolvechurch.com. Just click on that Messages tab, and you can uh, hear the message for the first time if you missed one, or just kind of go back and revisit it if you want to hear it again. But the series on labels, week one, um, was subtitled The Clothes That We Wear. We talked about how something's true about our physical body or something's true about our mind, our soul, our our emotions. Just because something's true about our body or our mind doesn't mean that that has to label our life. We don't have to find our identity in those things. And we explored what it means um, to, to learn how to find a place where the only thing that really matters is how we label our lives from a spiritual platform. And the only spiritual label that we really need to learn how to grow in is simply, I want to follow Jesus. And what if we lived our lives out of that place and allowed our body image and our body labels and our soul, mind, will, emotion labels to kind of come under submission, if you would, to that spiritual identity. And everything that we say and do flows out of a place where we just desire to follow Jesus. And we looked at what that means Week two, we talked about the voices that we hear, how just because you think something in your brain does not mean that that thought is true. It might be a wrong thought that you need to take captive and tear down. And we talked about our new spiritual identity of following Jesus impacting the voices that we hear, voices from our past, voices from a school teacher that said things over us, a parent, an uncle that said things over us, our own voices inside of our own brain. We talked about the voice of our spirit being our conscience and how when we, when we learn to settle into a place of following Jesus, our conscience gets lit up with God's spirit and impacted by the truth of God's word and helps us override our, the, our, the voice of our feelings and the voice of our reasoning and, and be led from a place of spirit. So that was week two. Week three, last week, we talked about the time that we spend and the label of, I'm so busy. We talked about how people use the words, I'm busy, as like a badge of honor, as a place of pride in their life. Well, I'm busy. And we also talked about how those same people, when they say I'm busy, what they really mean is, um, I don't want to risk being real and authentic and vulnerable with you, so I'm so busy. And we talked about how we spend our time, that honoring Jesus with how we spend our time And connecting our identity to how we spend our time is less about what we're doing and way more about why we're doing it. And we talked about attaching our why to an eternal perspective. That everything we're we're doing with our time, all of the things we're valuing with how we spend our time, if they're infused with a sense of eternity and a deeper purpose than just my own success or my my own ego or my own pride, then how we spend our time connected to eternity begins to really make a difference in people's lives. Today I want to talk in our fourth and final week, the label attached to the God that we serve. And I want to start by reading from the book of Galatians 
chapter 2, verse 19 to 21. If you have a Bible or an app, you can read along. If you don't, you can read on the screen behind me. But Galatians 2, um, verses 19 through 21 in the message translation, here's what it says. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a law man so that I could be God's man. This is Paul writing. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It's no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And, get this, I'm no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God, Jesus, who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going to go back on that. It's not clear to you that, is it not clear to you that to go back to that old rule-keeping, peer-pleasing religion would be an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God? I refuse to do that, to repudiate God's grace. If a living relationship with God could come by rule-keeping, then Christ died unnecessarily. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. And we invite you today to speak into our hearts. And I ask by your spirit that the words that I've prepared and your words speaking through these texts, God, would just transform all of us today. We're all in process of learning more and more what it means to follow Jesus. Bit by bit, we're being transformed into his image. And so we ask that you do something deep in the inside of each one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Nicole and I landed in Edmonton on April 30th, so a a few short months ago. We moved here from Winnipeg. And if you ever want to hear a bit more about our story, uh, I want to encourage you to come out to week one of our Next Steps class. We share a bit deeper about um, just our story of really feeling led to move to Edmonton to plant a new church. And it's been amazing the last five months of doing life in this city. I love Edmonton. We've fallen in love with this city. Uh, we, we love its people. We love its culture. And the cool thing about moving to a new city to plant a church is it makes it really easy to talk with other people about Jesus. Because the conversation goes something like this, you know, we're we're in a a new restaurant or a new coffee shop and chatting with somebody new, and it's always like, oh, well, why did you move from Winnipeg to Edmonton? And I, you know, for a while I was, it's not that I was embarrassed, I just didn't want to play all my cards, so I would be like, oh, we moved here to start a new venture, Right? But then, well, what kind of work do you do, right? So it was always pretty quickly we'd be like, well, actually, we moved here to start a brand new church. And then people, some version of this, uh, oh, well, I'm not really religious. So we say we moved here to start a new church, and their response is, "Ah, that's cool for you, but I'm not really religious. To which I say, awesome, because I'm not religious either. And then they go, Huh? 
Uh, and then it's a perfect opportunity to talk about what we believe to be true about Jesus. Because we don't subscribe to a religion. People can't fathom or wrap their brains around the concept of a Christian pastor, church planner guy who strongly identifies as not being religious. They get a brain cramp, literally, physically. We, we, have to, we watch their heads go, huh? All right? And religious is, is not a label that I, that I wear. Not that I think it's an evil word. Hear me out. Because there's beauty in the history of that word. But when people nowadays in 2018, in a very post-Christian Canadian climate, when people say religious, they mean something different. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? And then he says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Have you ever felt tired or worn out on religion? You don't need to answer that question. I just want you to think about it. I'm not looking for a, a show of hands, okay? This isn't kindergarten. But have you ever felt tired or weary or burned out on religion? Has following or subscribing to a religion ever felt forced or mechanical? Because the simplicity of following Jesus brings our lives to a place of rest. The simplicity of, of living a life following Jesus is meant to bring our lives to a place of restoration, to a place of recovery, to a place of unforced encounters with God's unmerited favor, with his, undes- with his grace. It's meant to bring our life to a place of freedom, and it's meant to bring everything we do to a place of significant life. The simplicity of following Jesus. And we love to overcomplicate things. And as such, people look on and go, I'm, I'm not religious. Paul writes in his letter to the church um, in the book of Colossians, he says, this mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time. But now, it's out in the open. God wanted everyone not just Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out, regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing. You know, it's not a, it's not a subscription to religion or being a religious person that gives us access to the life that Jesus came to bring. And even in the book of Acts, when the church was first kind of exploding, there were arguments between the disciples over well, did Jesus die for everybody or just for the Jews? Because I'm a Jew, and I know he died for me, and so I'm pretty sure he died just for Jews. And then Paul comes along and blows up everybody's thinking. He throws an absolute spiritual hand grenade and says, actually, what Jesus did and what he fulfilled and what he accomplished in the life that he lived and the model that he presented to each one of us is for whosoever. It's for every person. 
regardless of religion, regardless of whatever system or structure or law or rule base people did or didn't come out of, it doesn't matter. Jesus came for everyone. The mystery in a nutshell is just this. Christ is in you. So therefore, you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. That is the substance of our message. We preach Christ. Warning people not to add to that message, we teach in a spirit of profound common sense so that we can bring each person to maturity. To be mature is to be basic. And everybody said, what? I thought to be mature is to be theological, to be religious, to be deeply spiritual. To be mature is to talk about the common sense of the simplicity of Jesus and how it just works in our lives when we let it, when we choose it. To be mature is to be basic. Man, when I first read this, I was like, Yes, because I am such a basic guy. I'm not talking like um, basic, like pumpkin spice latte basic. I'm talking like basic, like I'm not super complicated. And I'm also not really intellectual. And if you're looking for a church where the team that's preaching is like super smart, I'll help you find a new church. Because the simplicity of following Jesus means that as we mature, as we allow time and God's spirit on the inside of us and God's word in our lives to mature us, it brings us to a place of basic, (laughs) of simplicity. Christ, no more, no less. That's what I'm working so hard at day after day, year after year, doing my best with the energy that God so generously gives me. There's a vast and significant difference between following a religion and following Jesus. Religion keeps us focused on how other people are living in comparison to us. Following Jesus keeps us focused on how I'm living in comparison to him. Religion keeps us focused on how we're not good enough. Following Jesus keeps me focused on how Jesus is good enough. Religion keeps us fixated on right versus wrong. Following Jesus keeps me focused on loving well and honoring other people, despite my perception of right or wrong. Religion keeps us defeated and broken, and unworthy. And following Jesus keeps me animated with his life, keeps me free, it keeps me qualified. Religion keeps our energy on how we appear to other people. Following Jesus keeps my energy on how my heart stays vulnerable, and soft, and teachable, and transparent to the Father. There's a big difference between subscribing to a religion and following Jesus. Galatians 5, verses 4, 5, and 6 says, I suspect you you would never intend this, but this is what happens. 
When you attempt to live your life by your own religious plans and projects, you're cut off from Christ. Wait, what? When you attempt to live your life based on your own religious plans and your own religious projects, you actually get cut off from the the grace of Jesus. Meanwhile, we expectantly wait for a satisfying relationship with the Spirit. And this actually defined my life for a long time. I, I expected a satisfying relationship with God based on what I perceived to be how I was living in a religious way. And I thought, man, if I do these things... Surely I'll garner God's favor. Surely he's going to love me more than that other guy because I do these things better than he does. And I expected a satisfying relationship with God based on my conduct and and how I lived my life and the religion that I subscribed to. But in Christ, get this, neither our most conscientious religion nor disregard of religion amounts to anything. In Christ, neither our most conscientious religious efforts or a blatant disregard for religion whatsoever, neither of those extremes brings us any closer to a relationship with the Father. What matters is something far more interior, faith expressed in love. For in Christ, neither our most conscientious religion nor disregard of religion amounts to anything. What matters is something far more interior faith expressed in love. What it boils down to is our ability to be honest with ourselves. And that's the beauty of being on the same page when we choose to follow Jesus. There's no hierarchy in God's kingdom. It's just him and us. And our ability to be honest with ourselves Are we actually following Jesus through faith that's expressed with how we love or are we subscribing to some kind of religious system? Are we getting caught up in that? The Bible's full of amazing teaching. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Do what? Love God. Love your neighbor. Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, love others the way that I've loved you. Okay? They'll know you're my followers by how you demonstrate love. When I was a kid growing up, we used to sing this song around the campfire. They will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. And then we'd go off and judge people. Now, faith, hope, and love remain, but the greatest of these is love. For God so loved the world that he gave. On and on and on and on. We could read the entire narrative of the church bringing life. And all through Scripture, we see command centered around what Jesus taught us. And what Jesus essentially said is, I recognize that a lot of you come out of some tradition of following rules to try and win God's favor. And largely he was speaking to the Jewish population who had like 800 laws, right? If I want to be devout and follow God and I want to win God's favor, I have to follow all of these laws. And essentially Jesus said, you know what? All of those commands, flush them. Because I'm going to encapsulate the heartbeat of every single one of them with one simple command. Just love people the way that I've loved you. 
Walk in love. Show honor. You know, look at the world we live in, and it's crazy. Does anybody here uh, have a Twitter account? Some of you. Do anybody use Twitter? Has anybody here heard of Twitter? <laughs> I look at the exchange between kings and presidents and leaders and politicians and theologians, and it makes me sick. I got a vent for just a quick second because I don't see a world engaged in presenting truth wrapped in love, and it makes me sad. Um, Nicole and I had coffee with uh, a new friend this week, and we were talking about a book called Irresistible, written by Andy Stanley, and I haven't read it yet. But I listened to a podcast this past week uh, by a great Canadian leader named Kerry Newhoff. He has a leadership podcast, and he interviewed Andy Stanley. And in that interview, um, this, this statement, there's something irresistible about the simplicity of Jesus, God's son, being crucified by the Romans, rising from the dead to conquer sin, as evidenced and eyewitnessed and documented by reliable humans. There's something beautiful about the simplicity of that being our catalyst for the Christian faith. What if it was just about that? People aren't abandoning their faith in Jesus because of that truth. People don't walk away from church because Jesus died, rose again, presented himself physically to people who eyewitnessed his resurrection and then wrote about it and transformed their world. People don't leave the faith because of that. They leave their faith in Jesus because somebody at church offended them. They leave the Christian experience because they're not sure if the world was actually created in six days. Was it a literal six days? Was it figurative? I don't know. I'm out. People don't leave their faith because of the truth of who Jesus is and what he stood for. They leave because they just want to have sex with their girlfriend. That's why they leave. They leave for the craziest reasons. They abandon the most beautiful and simple truth that's transformational, not just for me and you, but for everybody Because of the craziest things. Because of the lie that they have to be religious to follow Jesus. You know, one of the stories of moving here, we were in a shoe store buying shoes. Because that's what you do in a shoe store. And um, I actually love shopping. As you get to know me, one of the weird things about me is that I love shopping. If Nicole's ever like, hey, you want to go on a date? We'll go shopping. I'm like, woohoo, let's do it. Um, and I, I love to shop. And so we were in a shoe store, and I was actually looking at shoes, and a gentleman approached me, and he didn't work there. He walks right up to me, and he goes, hey, man, oh, don't you hate shopping for shoes? And I'm thinking, boy, do you have the wrong guy. And I'm actually, no, uh, I love shopping for shoes. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, I, I love shopping of all kinds, but shoe shopping's my favorite because I always find shoes that I love and want to buy. And... Nicole thinks I have too many shoes, whereas I think I'm just getting started. That's another discussion. So this guy says to me, he goes, hey, what, what do you do for a living? And I said, actually, uh, I'm a pastor. I'm, I just moved here to start a brand new church. And he took a step back and he went, there's no way you're a pastor. Now, why did he judge me? It was based on some kind of perception or religious thinking of what a pastor should sound and look like. 
okay? And I said, actually, no, man, I, I am a pastor. And he says, tell me about your church. So I explained to him why we moved here and a little bit about the heartbeat of Evolve and just creating a community for people to feel safe and grow in their faith as they learn to follow Jesus and feel like they can belong to something. And this guy's like, man, I, I've never really heard about a church like that before. He goes, I, I'm, I'm not really a Christian. I believe that God is a higher version of myself that I'm trying to attain. I said, really? He goes, yeah. You know, so when I think about God, it's actually like a higher version of me. And that's kind of what I'm shooting for. I said, that's interesting. Let me ask you, how do you know when you get there? And he went, what? I'm like, well, if there's a higher version of yourself and, and your goal is to get there, how, how do you know when you've gotten there? What does it look like? How do you know when you're good? And he went, no one's ever asked me that before. I went, well, because I actually kind of believe the same thing as a Christian. He said, you do? I said, yeah. And I was speaking his language. I said, you know what? I believe that there's a higher version of, of, of life that I'm trying to strive for. But for me, that higher version has a name, and it was historically documented. And when I want to learn how to honor women in a culture that maybe doesn't always honor women, and I want to learn how to be a better daddy and value my kids, and when I want to learn how to overcome hardship, I, I look to the person of Jesus. And everything I'm working towards, I, I measure it to how Jesus lived and how Jesus loved and how Jesus served. And he went, man, no one's ever described Christianity to me that way before. I went, it's so simple. And he goes, yeah. And so we exchanged numbers, and we've texted back and forth. And, and one day he's going to turn, turn up here. I just know it. But my, my desire and my ability to live my life in such a way that I'm hopefully a credit to the message of Jesus, that's a scripture verse that we love. Meanwhile, live your life in such a way that you're a credit to the message of Christ Jesus. My desire to do that, it actually flows out of my theology. And everybody has a theology. And the definition of theology is simply this. What you believe to be true about God's nature and God's character. That's your theology. Everybody has a theology. Whatever you believe to be true about God's nature and God's character is your theology. And everything that flows out of your life comes from that core belief system. Here's what I believe. My theology says that God is permanently, essentially, and characteristically good. He's good. God is good. Period. I believe that. God created human beings for the purpose of relationship. That's what I believe to be true about God's nature and his character. God desires a relationship with every human being, every single person. I believe that to be true. God is God, and there are some things that only God can do. At the same time, God regularly and characteristically does amazing things through faith-filled human beings who dare to trust and love him in return. A perfect God demonstrating his perfection through imperfection. That's my theology. I believe that to be true, and it's crazy, and it doesn't always make sense, but I've seen it. I believe that the only thing that God asks us to do is to receive his love and believe that Jesus qualified us. I believe that God wants the best for me, but I should never presume that my idea of best is the same as God's idea of best. I believe that God will never violate his own word, 
and the words written down on paper by inspired and spirit-influenced humans that we call our Bible can be banked on and trusted. I believe those things to be true about God's nature and about God's character. And there's a lot more I could get into. Notice, my theology is focused on how God chooses to love and communicate to and relate to and interact with his creation. So much of what I believe to be true about God is really leaning in towards how God chooses to interact with and relate to and communicate with his creation. That gives me fire and fuel for how I decide to love, for how I decide to communicate with, for how I decide to relate to and interact with God's creation. Religion doesn't do that. This post-Christian society that we live in rolls the word religion across their tongues like a disappointing disease. I'm not religious. Right? It's often followed up with that vomit instinct because they're like, I am I am not religious. And when they say I'm not religious, what they really mean is this. I could never measure up to the systems and the structures and the habits and the rules required of me to please God. I could never do that. That's what they mean. When they say "Ah, I'm not religious, what they really mean is I don't have what it takes to measure up to the systems and the structures and the habits and the rules required of me to make God happy. And this saddens me. It saddens me. Because God's already pleased. He's already pleased. He's pleased with you. Already. Despite my best intentions and despite my worst failures, he's still pleased. He still thinks I'm flipping awesome. And he thinks the same of you. It saddens me because I understand the grace of God and how when he looks at me, it's always through the crimson-tinted lens of Jesus Christ. Always through Jesus. What saddens me more is when I forget to allow my theology, what I believe to be true about God and his nature and his character, when I forget to focus my attention on how I'm loving and interacting with and communicating to and serving God's creation. And when I allow that theology to be twisted and and perverted into how I'm living and how I'm behaving and am I saying and doing the right things and, and and, and do I measure up? And we all do it. We flip back and forth and back and forth. When I begin to succumb to the weight of people's expectations and the weight of my old dead sin nature, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and the weight of the old system on thinking that I can behave my way, somehow behave my way magically into God's favor. I do it. My guess is you've done it at some point. Let's go back to Galatians 2, 19 to 21. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a law man so that I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how. Christ enabled me to do it. I identify myself completely with him. Indeed, I I have been crucified with Christ. And the inference there is I've risen with Christ also. My ego is no longer central. 
It's no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion, and I'm no longer driven to impress God. Hmm. Christ lives in me, and the life you see me living isn't mine, but it's lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm not going to go back on that. Is it not clear to you that to go back on that old rule-keeping, peer-pleasing religion would be an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God? The God that we serve, he craves a living relationship with each and every human being. Christ showed us how. Christ enables us to do it. And appearing righteous before people and even before God isn't going to make that happen. Impressing people or even impressing God is not going to make that happen. Rule-keeping And peer-pleasing religion is not going to make that happen. But my life, every day, lived out by faith that Jesus shows me how and enables me to do, that's what facilitates a living relationship between us and God. Galatians 2, 19 to 21, in, in the Passion Translation, it says this, But because the Messiah lives in me, I've now died to the law's dominion over me so that I can live for God. And as I read that, I was like, man, I want to die to the law's dominion over me just so that I can be free with how I live for God. My old identity identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence, this is what I love, the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For Jesus, the anointed one, lives his life out through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me. And Jesus dispenses his life into me. All this to say, refuse to allow the label of religion to weigh you down. To mire your feet in the weight and the corruption of trying to fulfill something to please God. Allow, I'm not good enough, that shackle to keep you contained in your existence. Refuse to allow that. Refuse to allow that. Where we constantly question our worth and we constantly question if God's pleased with us and we constantly second-guess our eternal value. Religion makes all that happen. Reject it. (laughs) Reject it. Reject that label. Rather, embrace the rest. Embrace the restoration and the recovery and the unforced rhythms of grace and the freedom and the life that Jesus provides. Trust that to give you fire and fuel. Trust it. Trust that grace that Jesus brings to give you fire and give you fuel for how you love and serve and communicate with and interact with and relate to God's creation around you. For in Christ, neither our most conscientious religion nor our disregard of religion amounts to anything. What matters is something far more interior, our faith expressed in love. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for how your word speaks to us still today. And my sincere hope, God, as we've talked over this last few weeks about the labels that we carry, is to bring each one of our lives to a point of, of freedom and life.
in following Jesus. It's for freedom that you set us free. It's for a new identity and a new nature and a new life that you lived and loved and served and died and rose again. And if there's anything about our past experience of church or our past understanding of old covenants and old agreements and anything within us that would pull us back to a religion-infused experience of trying to win your favor and earn points with you somehow, that we would learn today to die to that and lean into the truth that following you lived out, expressed through our faith, is simply about how we choose to love and honor every day. God, that basic, simple truth isn't profoundly intellectual or really, really deep, but it just might wreck us. It just might give us the courage to go back to work tomorrow and say, God, with you I can learn to love these people afresh. It, it just might give us the courage to step out of the safe places that we've built up around us with our schedules and our time and begin to get our eyes off of our own experience and onto the, uh, the experience of other beautiful people in our world. Because maybe, just maybe, you're inviting us into a relationship with you that helps us love them deeper, fuller. God, we want to walk in the freedom We want to walk in the restoration and the rest and the recovery of just following you. We want that today and every day. So that's what we ask for in faith. In Jesus' name. As we close out today's service, I want to invite you to not just let today's message and, and, and talk just be something that you appreciated at some point in your life, but to become something that maybe sparks a new conversation, a new friendship, a new relationship. And I certainly hope that it sparks a new relationship between you and God. If you've abandoned that or, or walked away, and maybe you're, you're one of the statistics that left your Christian experience based on Something attached to religion. Somebody said something or something hurt you along the way. But could you come back to that simple basic truth that Jesus lived? That he was fully man and fully God. And that he died on the cross, crucified by the Romans. And that he rose from the dead and that hundreds of people bore witness to his miraculous resurrection. And they began to share their story about Jesus and how he transformed their lives. And that transformed the world that we live in. And could you bring back, could you realign your life to that simple truth that Jesus is your Savior, that he's your King, that he's your Messiah, that he's your Lord, and that he's your mediator between you and God?